This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. A good Thursday to you. It is November 17th already. Jesperson here with Hook, with uh, Hooks, Johnny Hooks. That Cap- could be your Captain Hook. <laughs> that could that could be your new uh, that could be your new DJ name. Yeah, uh, Johnny Hooks. Uh, welcome. Uh, uh, how you doing on this Thursday, pal? You've been doing a little troubleshooting. Things going uh, well, well behind we got, the scenes. You got a sexy new camera. We angle got a new camera here. Mission man. Control. We're pretty excited about. When there's a new camera, there's always audio issues. So. <laughs> well, you've been doing a great job. You know what I love is that you've been having, and we want to give a shout out to the real talkers that join us live uh, when we stream this on the Mixler audio app, and of mm-hmm. course on youtube as well every morning because you've been able to troubleshoot with their assistance i saw you chatting with them yesterday mm-hmm. in the live chat asking people how everything's going does it look good does it sound good feedback. tell me more you let us know you can send us an email anytime uh we got some serious business to cover today and i'm and i'm looking forward to a conversation uh in just about five minutes uh with nazanin mogadami he's going to give us a uh, we'll check in from vancouver uh, a clinical counselor a community organizer that has been uh well i mean committing uh basically every waking moment that she has outside of her her day job so to speak organizing in support of the revolution in iran it's a story that we've obviously been following we know that you have too it's a story that the world has been watching these uh, remarkable demonstrations in public uh, representing great courage as the people of iran in particular women in iran are, are demanding uh, democracy and change to that regime uh, Nazanin will give us a, a sense as a, an immigrant to Canada uh, and as a community organizer on the West Coast exactly why this is so important to her and uh, an idea of the good work that they've been doing. Plus, journalist Danny Parody will join us in approximately 25 minutes time. She's going to take us into her story that she released exclusively yesterday uh, on APTN News. You can check it out at aptnnews.ca. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith says that she has Cherokee roots, but the records don't back that up. That's Uh-oh. Danny's reporting. Yeah, so we'll get into this. I'm curious to know how that was on her radar and, and uh, what she found. Yeah, she was looking for receipts. Um, turns out she didn't find them. So Danny is going to check in with us on that within this uh, first half hour of the show. And, of course, we're going to get to what you have to say on all this as well. You can hit us up on our hashtag RealTalkRJ anytime. And, of course, as mentioned, you can leave a comment in, in the live chat too. Uh, did you see that the uh, former star or the star, whatever you want to call it, of, of uh, Full House – uh, Candace Cameron Bure is trending this morning. No. Yeah. So it turns out, uh, you know, she's uh, she's she had uh, been doing most of her work. Most of her acting work had been on the Hallmark Channel. Mm-hmm. Now, she was she was uh, sort of, I guess, known as the the queen of Christmas. People were calling her because of her, uh, you know, her, her prominence in the uh, in the Hallmark Christmas sure. movies. Well, she says that she is no longer going to be doing Hallmark Christmas movies. Why? She says, because uh, they're featuring LGBTQ2S plus storylines. They're featuring uh, gay and lesbian storylines. And Candace Cameron Burry says it doesn't line up with her conviction. And so she's not going to be doing uh, work on the Hallmark Channel anymore. Uh, You'd never believe it, Johnny, but actually some people are taking issue with that. (laughs) 
<laughs> I would think so. Yeah, it turns out that not everybody's thrilled about Candace Cameron yeah. uh, Bure's uh, position on this, and so she's she's responding to this. She's released a statement, and uh, I'm not sure. Uh, it, it's pretty interesting when you when you uh, when you read someone's statement or you hear a statement in a scenario like this, and 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 the statement doesn't just simply say um, I stand in solidarity and love and support of uh, mm-hmm. my LGBTQ brothers and sisters, and you know it it, it, it dances all around it, right? Mm-hmm. So you listen to this, and I, I'm not going to read the whole statement, but basically. All of you who know me know beyond question I have great love and affection for all people. It breaks my heart. Anybody thinks I would ever intentionally want to offend or hurt anybody, it saddens me. The media is often seeking to divide us. It's the media's fault, uh, even around a subject as comforting and merry as Christmas movies. She says, but given the toxic climate in our culture, I shouldn't be surprised. I agree with her there. She says, Christmas, we need it now more than ever. She says, I'm a devoted Christian, which means I believe every human being bears the image of God because of that. I am called to love all people. And I do still can't say the words, right? If you know me, you know, I'm a person who loves fiercely and indiscriminately. My heart yearns to burn bridges and bring people one step closer to God to be a reflection of God's huge love for all of us. Uh, She goes on to criticize the media for using this opportunity to fan flames of conflict and hate. She says to the media, though, I love you anyway. They're so trying to cancel the me. They're trying to cancel Candace Cameron Bure. Uh, so uh, that's that's one of the stories I was paying attention to yeah. today. When I signed into Twitter, it's one of the first things I do in the morning. As long as it is still here, I will still do that to kick off my mornings. And uh, I was surprised. I was wondering, why is Candace Cameron Bure trending? And then you get that feeling where you go, oh, no, because typically it's it's either somebody has done something or somebody's passed away. Those are kind of the two reasons why somebody trends. Uh, unless it's Rex Murphy, and then he trends every time he releases a column. Rex Murphy doesn't have to be on Twitter mm-hmm. to trend on Twitter. He seems to have mastered that. Uh, but that's the Candace Cameron Bure story. Are you a uh, Hallmark Christmas movie kind of a guy? I'm not, but my wife uh, definitely is. She peruses all of them. She kind of plays them in the background while she's baking or doing whatever for Christmas. Yeah. Like They're not worth like giving your 100% attention, but she definitely runs through them all on yeah. Crave and on uh, all our pick TV and everything, no matter how bad they are. Yeah, or how good they are. <laughs> you know, well, people, you know are, people are hardcore about being fans of these things. We actually watched the new Lindsay Lohan one, which I is out on Netflix. Falling for Christmas. It's getting good reviews. And you know what? It wasn't that bad. We actually sat down and made some popcorn and ate some dinner. And it, yeah. it was not that bad. I I'm enjoyed happy it. i to see yeah. Lindsay Lohan working. You know, she's a talented actor. Yeah. And she had kind of like a bumpy road for, you know, a number of years. Well, and she uh, had a little falling out there. She had some party days. And yeah. then she had some days where she wasn't in the movies. But actually, she was. Pretty good acting in this movie, too. Yeah. I was surprised. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Falling into Christmas. You know what we should do is get your, uh, here on Real Talk, on the weeks leading up to the holidays, we could we could get like your weekly holiday movie review. <laughs> well, there you go. My yeah. review for this week, see Falling for Christmas, Lindsay Lohan's <laughs> comeback special. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> uh, we'll get to Nazanin in just a second. If you wouldn't mind loading up as well that weather report that I sent you in Slack. You saw this one. The first video I sent you this morning, you'll know what oh, yeah. it is. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. We'll get to that in just a second. Before we do, if you're waiting right now for the Black Friday sales to pick up a gift for that person in your life, maybe a creator, someone who has that special talent of bringing images to life. It's a perfect day to check out McBainCamera.com. Why? Because their Black Friday sales are on right now. It means you can get discounts on unique accessories like the Joby Grip Tight Gorilla Pod MagSafe Smartphone Clamp. 
for the iPhone 12 or more recent iPhones. Uh, This is a really innovative mount that lets you easily connect your smartphone to the included GorillaPod stand. These Gorilla Pods, if you've used these, you know they are the best in the biz. It allows you to mount your phone virtually anywhere. It's perfect for content creators. Shoot that video for your Insta story. Get that perfect selfie. It's only $89.99. You can order it today online at mcbaincamera.com. Or, of course, you can go visit them in one of their six locations. Go check out their full list of Black Friday deals. McBain, create to inspire. At Friesen Brothers, it's a big week for them. It's a big day today. Why? Because Charlie, their sourdough starter, John, he turns seven today. Yeah, that's right. Thanks to their sourdough starter, Charlie. Happy birthday to Charlie. Their craft bakers obviously create a huge variety of bakery products from bread and buns to all kinds of sweet treats. You can learn more about Charlie, the sourdough starter. I mean, if you're passionate about sourdough, you know I don't have to explain this to you. Check out Friesen.com slash Charlie. And at every single Friesen Brothers, 16 of them across Alberta right now, you can enter to win a birthday celebration bread gift basket giveaway in store. You can enter a winner uh, for every Friesen Brothers location, Alberta grown and Alberta owned. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to our friends at Urban Timber. You know by now, they are the team of, uh, what do I call them, John? Magicians? The ones that designed these wizards that put this table together. It is the pride of our new Real Talk studio. They took our vision and they elevated it in a way that we couldn't even imagine. That's why we're so proud to partner with them. You can right now browse their brand new showroom online or, of course, visit them in person. Their West Edmonton location, just stunning. Uh, You can check out urbantimber.ca to see what they do. They're about so much more than just tables, of course. Wall panels, flooring, door inserts. I mean, this is the new era of design. And, of course, Urban Timber presenting our Real Talk Roundtable tomorrow's leading up to International Men's Day. We're going to be talking to men and women who are working in this space of men's mental health, and we can officially announce that after he receives the Order of Canada today, Mm. legendary actor Tom Jackson will be joining our Real Talk Roundtable tomorrow, presented by Urban Timber. Very cool stuff. Well, you likely know, I mean, if you watch the news, if you pay attention to the world around you, and of course, if you're tuned into Real Talk, that describes you, doesn't it? You're aware of what's been going on in Iran since September, in particular, uh, following the the killing of a woman, Masa Amini, in police custody. Well, this uh, describing it as a revolution might be an understatement. And in just a moment, we're going to speak to a Vancouver woman who is working as part of a collective to organize support for individuals over in Iran and those fleeing that country. To paint a picture of the perspective of the reach of the impact of what's happening in Iran, check out this weather report. It's a brief one from neighboring Azerbaijan. Havanın değişken bulutlu geçmesine bakmayarak inanırız ki Tebriz'de hava daim güneşli olacak. There she is as she removes her headscarf, her hijab, delivering that weather report. The significance of that, obviously, massive. Our lead-off guest this morning, Nasanin Mokadimi, is a clinical counselor, an activist, a community organizer, living on the unceded traditional ancestral lands of MST. She is a Kurdish-Iranian feminist 
who came to Canada in 2005. She's currently working with a full-time uh, supporting LGBTQI plus refugee and refugee claimants outside of her professional work all of her time spent organizing in support of the revolution in Iran. We're very grateful that, uh, Nazanin, you've made time to speak with us this morning. Welcome to Real Talk, and, and thanks for being here. Thank you. Can you hear me? We can hear you loud and clear, and we okay. can see you well. Uh, can you uh, tell us, I mean, what goes through your mind? What do you think? What emotion does it invoke when you see a weather report like that one there broadcast out of Azerbaijan? Um, when when I see images of like that, that shows so much international solidarity, um, pride. I'm so proud of Middle Eastern women. And I'm so inspired and it's so good. Um, our countries have tried so hard to separate us and spread anonymity between us, um, pit us against each other. And when I see like Azerbaijan, I actually haven't seen that video, so I'm going to Google it and share it with my friends, uh, Palestinians, Syrians, Turkish, Afghan. Um, when I see that solidarity, it's, it just makes my heart really happy um, mm. during such a difficult and dark time. This is, uh, I mean, these ongoing protests in Iran represent certainly the largest and it's being described as the most unified uh, public challenge to the government in years. And in particular, these demonstrations have been led by women and by schoolgirls. Can you talk to us about why that is so significant? Um, it's it's the it's not the first feminist uprising we've had in Iran. We've had it, and then they were just um, they were just killed. Um, like especially right after the revolution, right before the war, uh, women's voices have been um, violently silenced when um, the compulsory hijab came in place. Um, there were so many resistance um, that we're just learning about now. Like um, the archives are just surfacing, resurfacing now. Uh, that my generation is learning about them now. But the significance of it is that um, unlike many other movements before, um, no one is saying, oh, let's let's get to democracy and then we will get to women's rights. This time it's um, like there is a bit of a collective unconscious that without freeing the bodies of women, and it's really a body like autonomy revolution, without um, freeing and liberating the bodies of people and the bodies of women, there is no freedom, there is no democracy, there is no talk, there is no uh, freedom of speech or expression. So um, just before, as as you were having your last guess, I was also scrolling through Twitter as one does um, early in the morning, and I was seeing um, queer people showing up um, um, explicitly in the protest and with their flags. And that's kind of the first time that we're seeing queer people like showing up in this protest explicitly inside Iran um, because of um, a lot of dangers that they face. And it just makes my heart really happy that that it's it's women and now it's queer people who are showing up um, and putting themselves in danger. Like every person who shows any gesture like that woman removing her headscarf or like a person like um, holding a um, like a trans flag on the streets, they really risking their lives. Yet they are making such a powerful statement. I, I think, and 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 my degree of understanding here is limited. I'm so grateful that you're here to help us understand this. But even somebody like me, who's rather insulated from this movement and who's and who's who's learning to to scale up their awareness of it can recognize the significance of removing and burning hijabs. I mean, the symbolism there is enormous. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And exactly. And just I want to make it clear, this is also one of the fights that we've been fighting outside of Iran is that this is not about Islam. Nazanin, we're uh, we're just getting a bit of an interruption in your Wi-Fi <laughs> connection. So we're uh, uh, we'll get that figured out uh, in just a quick second. This is uh, Nazanin Mokadimi that's joining us from Vancouver. That's a really interesting point. And as we work to get her back, I want to we're going to circle back on that. I want to hear that. This is not about Islam, she says. This is about so much more. And that's, of course, an important point that that we want to focus on uh, as, as we do a real quick troubleshoot here. We'll just take a quick second uh, to remind you that these conversations happen because of sponsors like our friends at Athabasca University uh, right now at AthabascaU.ca. If, if you're looking for a new opportunity, if you've resolved that in 2023, as that calendar clicks over to a new year, this is going to be a new you, the start of a new you. There's no better time to take that degree or master's program than there is right now. You can go to AthabascaU.ca for more information. Why is it probably a great option for you? Well, number one, you can choose from 35 different online master's or doctorate programs, not to mention countless undergraduate options. And of course, the only commute is to your device. Athabasca U is designed to fit your life. For ambitious people everywhere looking for more flexible approaches to higher education, we recommend Athabasca University at AthabascaU.ca. If you're thinking of upgrading your energy right now, you want to go sustainable, you're thinking of going green, but you want to make sure you do it right. You don't spend too much. You get the quality install. Kubi Renewable Energy is providing solar energy solutions to power your life. Kubi's a full-service contractor for residential and commercial solar power systems. Their Tesla-certified installers are working in BC and Alberta, apprentices, and of course, journeymen up there on the roof, making sure the job is done right the first time. They're experts in handling all of the paperwork, too. That Canada Greener Homes grant still up for grabs, a $40,000 interest-free loan from Ottawa. It's allowing a lot of people to go green a lot sooner than they thought they might be able to do. You can get your free quote today at kubienergy.ca. Let's check back in with Nazanin Mokadimi. Uh, we, we, we are uh, working to get a strong connection here. Obviously, what you're telling us is extremely important. We, we were cutting out right around the time you were making the point, Nazanin. You said, you said this is about more than Islam. You said this is not about Islam. Can you take us into that thought? Yeah, so like the burning of hijab and the symbolism is that is about freedom and agency and autonomy over our bodies and our freedom of expression, how we express ourselves. This is not about Islam. So I don't want anyone to make the mistake that we are like, this is an Islamophobic movement. It is not, um, especially in Iran. Like um, I'm talking with my mom and she's saying that no one cares what anyone is with wearing right now, which is exactly what we want. It doesn't matter if people are wearing the traditional chador or they're not. Um, like, And what we're also seeing is um, a lot of like people with disabilities and um, people with sensitivities and trans people are saying that hijab is actually quite harmful to us when we have the compulsory hijab, like you, uh, like a trans man wearing a hijab because they don't pass and they have to cover their hair, that's quite problematic. Or someone with um, physical sensitivities and stimulation sensi sensitivities, they have to wear the hijab. That's that's quite problematic and oppressive. It, it really limits how they can be outside of home. So this is about bodies. This is about liberating bodies. This is mm. the symbolism, the movement. This is all about women's rights and the right of um, 
everyone over their choices, their bodies, and their minds. It's um, I'm I'm calling up your uh, your your group's uh, Instagram account right now, and people can can check it out at uh, it's it's women life freedom, and this is a women with an X, and this is this is uh, uh, obviously this this chant this mantra uh, can be heard around mm-hmm. the world. I mean, it, it is it's being chanted collectively across Iran. Uh, can you talk to us about the significance of that specific phrase? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, when we chant Zen Zenigas, we also need to remember where it came from. It came from the, um, it's a very feminist um, slogan. It's a very feminist motto um, at its core. It's from the uh, feminist Kurdish movement by the um, uh, feminist women's resistance um, that they they um, they came together and they were like, we don't want to have a voice. We want to be the leaders. Um, and that's how they did it. And that's what also we don't want. We don't want to have a voice in the movement. We don't want to be part of the movement. We are the movement. Um, and this is where it came from. This is the roots. And um, Gina or Massa, this is her Farsi name. Um, Gina was a Kurdish woman in the um, Kurdish, um, uh, Iranian Kurdish part of Iran. And um, the chant came out of the prison system and um, found its way on the on the streets in the Farsi um, format. And then when we say women, life, freedom, this is what we're fighting for, that without freedom of women, there is no freedom of people. There is no freedom of societies and there is no freedom of lands. Um, in Canada, we understand the, the significance of sovereignty over lands. Some people do. Um, sovereignty over lands of people who have been here for centuries. And in Iran, that's also what we're fighting for, to have sovereignty over our bodies, our minds, our societies and our lands. And this is the significance of it. This is a feminist slogan to its core. And that's what people are fighting for. Do you think that the average Canadian is aware or, or understands the significance of what's going on in Iran right now? I hope so. Um, anyone, I, I live in Vancouver, um, so it's um, I live in an urban setting, and anyone that I have spoken to, um, maybe they don't have the political analytical understanding, uh, which might be a little bit too much to expect. But like everyone has heard this, everyone is knowing what's going on, and everyone knows the uprising in Iran is is about women's rights and it's about um, women's movement, and the um, as a as a feminist who's living here and um, came to kind of like my understanding of, of feminism here, uh, what is very, um, uh, it makes me really proud is men are not shying away from um, joining proudly in the movement and identifying, not in Western terms as a feminist, but yesterday I was watching a march in one of the streets of Iran and there was this like man who was t- on top of his lungs, he was screaming. There's a very famous chant that says, um, the creep is you, um, the uh, like some like um, words that have been used against women who removed their hijab. So they were like, the creep is you, the liberated woman is me. And right. the guy was just shouting on top of his lungs that the liberated woman is me. I was like, that's fantastic. That's great. Um, we had another dad who um, was burying his son who was um, he was killed in one of the protests two years ago. Um, and he was saying every time we wanted to praise someone traditionally, we would say, oh, you're acting like a man, like the same way in English, they say like, oh, man up, you know, as a, as a, as just a figure of expression. 
And he was saying that we shouldn't say that. We should say, if you really want to live with dignity, if you really want to resist, you should act like a woman. Uh, so this is the kind of thing that you're really seeing from men also, that it's um, it's breaking some gender barriers, not everywhere, but it's really pushing women's rights, I think, 20 years forward in Iran, 25 years forward in Iran from where it was. Hmm. I appreciate it. I want to dig a little bit further. I want to circle back on something you said there. Something, something along the lines of you said, maybe not uh, falling under or maybe maybe not under the Western understanding of, of feminism. Mm-hmm. How might it differ? Mm-hmm. Can, can we pursue that? Can we dig into that for a second? What you mm-hmm. mean by that? Yeah. Um, my understanding of feminism here has been very individualistic. It's about my rights and mm. it's about how I have something. And it's um, uh, for the zeitgeist, for what it has had over the years, women has always been the forefront of, of feminism. So like we've seen Women's March, we see that in the uh, right to have abortion um, um or choice over our bodies, uh, or slut walk uh, prior when um, that Toronto judge talks about like um, inappropriateness of short skirts in right. um, that. Um, we see women mostly leading um, and showing up. And this is the protest that we see everyone showing up. There is no ownership of this movement, but there is a very collective, very clear understanding that the women are leading the movement. No one's contesting that. No one, um, I have not seen a man saying like outside or inside Iran that says I'm the leader or I'm, I'm making people come to the streets. Everyone's agreeing. Everyone has a lot of respect for, for the women and, and they're really showing up. And what I'm also seeing is that it's not about um, who's a woman and who's not a woman and who has um, certain body um, types or this is not about that. This is about when we shout to women, we really shout freedom for all bodies and all people, including um, child brides, including undocumented immigrants in Iran, including uh, prisoners, including Afghan women and, and children, including everyone. So when we're shouting women, this is such an all-inclusive chant and everyone is feeling the ownership of it and that's that may be one of the things that is different is that you don't see as much of an ownership unless people are affected directly so um allyship that allyship has been very hard to get here over the years and that's my experience i'm not making a general statement about feminism in, in the west and it's a very collective kind of an experience it's it's over sovereignty. We're not fighting for the right to have um, custody of our children or the right to have birth certificate if you marry a foreigner, and which is actually we don't as women. Um, this is not about fighting for rights. We're fighting for the upheaval and the throwing the government and creating a completely new system. And uh, actually, like if you study also Kurdish feminism, Zhenjian Azadi, women, life, freedom, it's a governance structure as well. So this is what we're fighting for. We're not fighting for reform. Reform is is 20 years ago. Hmm. Um, we're fighting for completely redesigning a system that has been oppressing everyone, especially women. And we're recognizing that um, the women and queer bodies have been at the end of the line. And if you want to make sure that everyone gets their turn, we really need to. Um, we really need to attend to those um, demands. 
Uh, I want to pull back the curtain for a second and let you know that this is the type of interview where I'm watching the clock. I'm realizing that you and I could talk for five hours right now. I'm fascinated by it. We haven't even talked about what you do professionally, which I think (laughs) is important to talk about. And it's not lost on me. If people are just tuning in right now, we're talking to Nazanin uh, Mokadimi out of Vancouver, um, a community organizer, an Iranian feminist. Uh, The date today, we're speaking on November 17th. Um, The 15th, 16th, and 17th of November are very significant dates. Um, Looking back to 2019, would you enlighten our audience if they're not yet aware? Yeah, so in 2019, um, there was a significant um, price hike in uh, for gas for fuel, and people take it took took it to the streets. Um, The economy has been really struggling, both because of corruption, because of international sanctions on Iran that has been really isolating. Um, uh, the country economically and uh, sanctions have been always controversial uh, when it comes from Iran because on the one hand you want to have like some like it's a it's a punitive method um, and at the same time it's the people who are paying the price and then you mix it up with corruption uh, of the government and you get a very mixture very bad mixture for people so people were already struggling and the economy has have been going downhill and that that hike, that really significant hike, sparked uh, widespread protests, something similar to what we have been seeing. And um, in the span of three days, there was massacres in the streets. Uh, there were massacres unlike anything we had seen uh, maybe in 30 years. Um, about 30, uh, about 3,000 people were killed, uh, and that's the kind of the official number. So we know it's much more. People disappeared. People were jailed. People were tortured. People were injured. Um, people lost their abilities and their bodies and their homes. And um, we called it Aban Khuni, Bloody November, uh, because it was so bad. So during these three days since uh, the 15, actually, the uprising has taken to a new level. And they have been much more, um, um, uh, what's the word? Um, they're attacking now. Uh, the protests are attacking what, and they have been, but it's much more significant. And the joys you're also seeing, the dancing in the streets, the um, people kissing, actually. And kissing is also illegal in Iran. You cannot show public affection. Um, so you see them hand in hand. You see the resistance and the fighting, and you also see the joys and the dancing. And it's been much more, the, go- the government have been much more um, uh, violent. Also, um, just yesterday, just last night before I went to bed, I read about um, a 10-year-old who was walking home in Khuzestan and he was shot. Um, and he was just shot in the head, uh, holding his dad's hands, was Jeez. just walking, going home from school. Um, there were um, there there's speculation that there are foreign forces right now uh, from neighboring countries. Iran has lots of alliance with other right wing governments. Um, we're seeing beating of people on in metro, so in metro stations, in metro wagons. So they go into the wagons when people cannot leave, and they just pepper spray and beat people. Um, so we're seeing much more violence, much more. Um, it's just violations and um, in the sexual assault field that I also worked for many years, uh, what we always see is that whenever there is violence, there is resistance. So we're seeing that resistance coming up and bubbling up and everyone saying we're not backing down. This is we're going to see this through whatever that through is. And this is one of the other differences that um, by now it's been two months and everyone's kind of like certain that we're going to see this through. And there is going to be an end somehow. There is going to be an end one way or another. What do you think? Uh, it's can no. I can I ask you what you think that's going to look like? I mean, this is this is your opinion, but it's certainly an informed opinion. 
Mm-hmm. Where do you see this? Like, can I can I show you this for context as well? Most people, Nazanin, will hear this on the podcast, but for people looking on YouTube, if you're listening to this on the podcast, just Google on your phone Iran kiss, and the first thing that will come up is this remarkable image of two people kissing in the street. It's an image that's going viral uh, yesterday into today. I wanted to ask you about the significance of this. What emotion or what does this invoke within you? Um, I just love my people. <laughs> I love their sense of humor. I love that they 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 can have these moments in such a traumatic time. Um, and I and, and honestly, like I'm going to share something really personal about this. Um, these movements have restored the dignity and the place of Middle Eastern and Iranian women in, for me at least, in in Canadian society, to a degree that. I didn't see it was possible. And what I mean is I've been living here 17 years and the racism that we get, the sexism that I receive um, from from general Canadian society has been significant. So from those like sympathetic looks of like, oh, you're so lucky to be here. As if I'm some oppressed person from some oppressed country, from some oppressed family, uh, with no recognition of nuances and the complexities of why someone like me would be living here, or even why someone um, become refugees. And that has changed. So when I speak with people who might not have those kind of like nuanced feminist awarenesses, uh, when I say say I'm Iranian, there there is an awe, there is there is a there is a recognition, and there is an appreciation. There is um, there's wow, your women are so strong, and this is what I'm getting. And this, uh, there's has been such a reclaim of power, an image of Middle Eastern women as people who need saving. And this is such uh, a, a message that we don't need saving. We don't need any foreign country come and I'm going to be a, a bit punchy. We don't need anyone come and bomb our countries in the name of democracy. Like mm. and what we have seen in Iraq and Afghanistan. That and now we know it was never about democracy. Like it was, it was always about money and resource ex- extraction. But we see that that kind of foreign involvement is so damaging, and our people are very much capable of doing what we need to do. And what a, another thing that we've been chanting and saying to international community is that you don't need to come and save us. Stop saving our murderers. Mm. Stop saving people who do this. Stop uh, stop selling arms. It's been two months, and there has been so many uh, tear gases. Like it, 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 like people are, are kind of asking, where is this ammunition coming from? Where are these forces coming from? Who gives them permission? So what we're really saying is, don't punish us for protesting and then coming and save us, quote unquote. But stop saving, stop shaking hands, stop making um, backroom deals with the Iranian government. This is what is really going to hurt us. And that's a bit of a fear from European unions to Canada to the U.S. that there is some going to be some backhanded deals that is going to be really undermining. We are much more capable. We're very much capable of saving ourselves and doing what is right. And our women are very much capable of protesting and asking for what we need. Um but but we, we we need support and support doesn't mean saving. We don't need a savior. And that's where people it gets tricky because people it's very difficult to live with uncertainty on what support means. But right now, what we really need from the Canadian society and anyone who is Iranian or non-Iranian living in diaspora or anyone who's non-Iranian living in the West is be our voice. 
share the news. Don't share disappointing news, uh, the traumatic news, but share our voices, share the name of the prisoners. And one, the number one protective factor for prisoners of Iran in Iran jails and prisons is when their name go viral. Mm. And that really protects them from being executed or, or tortured worse than they are. Mm. So learning and educating and sharing those kind of news actually make a difference. Even if you have a small private account, small private Facebook, small private Instagram with 10 people in it, that makes a huge difference. Don't think that your voice doesn't matter. These are the things that um, that we ask these are the demands that from the country it's coming. It's not about saving. It's not about military attacks. This is not about, I've, I have not seen or heard anyone saying, oh, we need the US to come and save us or anything like that. And I'm going to read a quote for you. So I'm going to shift my camera a little bit. I want to read a quote about the answer of what's going to happen. And I have a very good answer for you. Hmm. Um, give me just one second. Okay, I'm just going to shift my camera a little bit. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given, because you would not be able to live them. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live long some distance, say, into the answer. And this is a quote by Rainer Maria Rilke, a German philosopher. Um, and I really love this quote because there's lots of questions about, so what's next? What's going to happen? And the questions coming from Iran and also outside of Iran of like, well, who's going to be the leader? Um, what is the interim uh, government looks like? Or is there going to be a referendum or like, what is next? Um, which is a very valid question for when the time comes. Um, and this quote really, really grounds me of do not now seek the answer which cannot be given mm. and learn to love them and learn to live them. Uh, and this is this is a daily practice of really grounding on what needs to be happening now. And when the time comes, I really trust the people inside of Iran to make that demand and make those decisions. Um, there have been many people who claim leadership and have done some work uh, that has been amazing. Um, and it hasn't it hasn't had a catch. Um, so we're going to wait and see. This is this is where we also need to lean into the uncertainty. Um, and when the time comes for planning, I am very certain that the people in Iran will start voicing that planning committee or whatever that it's going to be. We even do, don't even know what it's going to look like. Um, but this is where we're going to be really um, doing that personal work that is also important as a counselor. <laughs> I can use that language of doing that personal work of like really inviting everyone who's asking, so what's next? Uh, how are we going to go forward to really lean into we don't know? And that's very much okay. And that's very much a powerful thing. It's not coming from a weakness point. We don't know. And it's not the time. Does that make sense? I'm, uh, John can see, <laughs> you kept it real. You got personal five minutes ago. Let me get personal. I'm actually, this is pretty rare. I'm emotionally moved by talking to you. Um, Nazanin, I, uh, I want to say this to your face. So I want to see you on camera. I, these are, these are, this is a, I, I underestimated. I mean, I knew this was going to be a powerful conversation. Um, and and uh, the person who put you on our radar is somebody very close to me that has a great deal of respect for you. And um, I'm just I'm just uh, very impacted by your perspective and uh, the level of what you're talking about and the personal challenge that you're issuing to us. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. And so uh, that's a good thing. And uh, I really appreciate yeah, it. yeah, 
And uh, I am just so grateful for you sharing your perspective and your, your, your personal uh, informed perspective, which, which oftentimes we don't always get. We live in an age where there are so many opinions um, and, uh, and, and dialogue that oftentimes is unproductive. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that regardless of where people stand on any given issue, uh, you've given us so many important things to consider, uh, su- such wonderful and important insight into what's happening here, uh, affecting and impacting millions of people uh, around the world. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, I want to also respect your time. You are an in-demand counselor. <laughs> I'm sure that you have a schedule. There's probably somebody waiting to talk to you right now because we've already gone 15 minutes <laughs> over the amount of time that we asked you. To, but, but I didn't want to interrupt a single thing you were saying. Hey, make me one promise, will you? Because I want to I talk to you. But you do work with, uh, with um, you know, LGBTQ, uh, 2S plus immigrants and people new to Canada. And, and I want to talk about that refugee experience, uh, but not today because uh, you've got to go and uh, we do have another guest as well so promise me you'll come back to the show i i would love to ryan okay i feel like i just made thank a new friend hey me. thank you i really appreciate it that's nazanin mogadami uh that i think john is like uh i feel like that's one of the most powerful interviews we've ever had on the show to be quite honest with you pretty moving um yeah i i i, I didn't expect this to land the way it is and i'm just gonna roll with it because I think that that's absolutely beautiful. And um, if you're enjoying this, uh, if this moved you, this conversation, like it's clearly moved me, uh, it would mean a lot to us if you'd, if you'd hit like on our uh, YouTube page, if you would share this interview with people that you know would benefit um, hearing from it. Of course, we want to make sure that as many people catch these conversations as possible. Uh, and of course, you can uh, tag us in anything that you post online using our hashtag RealTalkRJ. That is powered by our friends at Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider. And they want to point out something today that you're probably already well aware of as we enter into the winter months uh, we're going to be paying a little bit more for power we're going to be paying a little bit more for natural gas running space heaters if you're doing so do it safely by the way you know running that furnace that maybe kick-started a month ago hadn't run for the last six months we've been getting used to lower bills We're trying to keep our costs down as much as possible, which is why it makes sense to compare rates today on internet, electricity, and natural gas at parkpower.ca. I'm going to wager a guess that regardless of who you're doing business with right now, you're going to pay less with Park Power, especially when you use the promo code 2022-REALTALK. You save 70 bucks off your first bill, 70 bucks at parkpower.ca. Uh, LandscapeEdmonton.ca is where you'll find our friends at Eden Landscaping, bringing outdoor spaces to life for more than two decades, family-owned and operating. Mike and his team spend their winter months with the design process in front of them, uh, drawing up beautiful blueprints to transform front and backyards. Did you buy one of those homes that came with kind of the cookie-cutter front yard, just nothing but sod and that one tree that 30 years from now is going to look great? Why not trust Eden Landscaping to do something about it? Come spring, you'll be the talk of the town because you partnered with Eden Landscaping. And at Local Environmental Services, they understand what it means to keep it local. It means that communities get better service, better prices, more support for local causes. It's what they're all about. And you can check out their video, Who is Local? at localenvironmental.ca. Learn more about their core values. And of course, learn more about their services across Alberta and Saskatchewan, serving commercial, industrial, agricultural partners. And of course, you're paying less with local environmental than you will elsewhere. They'll compete for your business. That can start today with a visit to localenvironmental.ca. 
www.trashtalk.ca. Of course, they're presenting Trash Talk tomorrow. You can send your submission, whatever you need to get off your chest. Send it an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. This story raised more than a few eyebrows yesterday when it was reported exclusively by our next guest, APTN journalist Danny Paradis. You can read it at apnnews.ca. Reads the headline, Alberta Premier Danielle Smith says she has Cherokee roots, but the records don't back that up. The journalist behind the story joining us now live, Danny Paradis, returning uh, to Real Talk. It's nice to see you again. Thanks for making time for us. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. How did, how did this story wind up on your radar in the first place? When did you start digging here? When I um, most recently, uh, Danielle Smith fired a phone bank contractor uh, and she uh, mentioned in some tweets, it was, it was kind of a vague story, but she mentioned that she was uh, firing him due to some uh, racist prank phone calls that were released on media. Um, I'm trying to avoid really getting into that because I haven't looked into that story. But what I, what I mentioned was that she's talking about, uh, she mentioned as somebody with Indigenous ancestry. And I, I hadn't heard that before. Um, and, and then I, I was looking around and, and curious where that came from because it came out of nowhere to me. But what I saw online showed me that she actually had made that claim a couple times. So that got me really interested. I looked around if anybody had actually covered this before and there's you know there's like an old Don Braid article from 2012 where he's bemoaning the fact that people are bringing race into a conversation and he mentions that you know Danielle Smith had to bring up her uh her Cherokee roots and I really I couldn't believe nobody had actually looked at this because uh, as I note in my um in my uh, piece the uh, the story about um like a a great great grandmother who's Cherokee that's like that's like a joke in indigenous communities um it's a really common thing especially in the southern United States uh, for the Cherokee for Americans to claim uh, indigenous ancestry now here uh it's it's more often the Métis uh which I am so I get to be a part of the group that um that has a lot of people who claim to be them without fully understanding what we are. Uh, so I think that that's what had me sensitized to the subject to begin with. Hmm. So you so you did a deep dive here. And, and again, uh, people should check it out at aptnnews.ca. They can follow you on Twitter at Danny Parody to find the link. Can you take us through exactly how you I mean, you did you spoke to genealogists? You you had reached out to former employers of the premier. I mean, you, you worked on this for quite some time. Take us through the process. Yeah, I um, I spoke with, uh, well, I started by going through everything I could find about what Danielle Smith had talked about uh, pre regarding her uh, Cherokee roots. And uh, then I started to trace, uh, because she actually has talked, uh, as you can imagine, as somebody who's been in in the limelight for a long time. She's talked about her family and her family history. So I, I started there, started creating a, um, the ancestry is very useful for this. I started to create a family tree based on the information that I could find. And some of that led to, you know, in the Globe and Mail, she's talking about a school teacher named Ethel Parkin. So I was looking in uh, the, um, in the records for a, a book and quite frequently in Alberta, if you're uh, talking about a rural community, somebody has a book about it. So I, I looked to see if I could find her there. Sure enough, I did. Uh, I was able to track that all the way to uh, like her family roots all the way to Nova Scotia. And then I got a little stuck. So I had to bring in some uh, uh, actually two genealogist friends. One was an American friend that I just casually asked. And, and then another is somebody who has uh, worked on, on sort of these sorts of um, allegations of Indigenous mm. identity before. 
And then from there, uh, I like, you know, it took um, a cross-referencing once you have everything. Uh, in Ancestry, there's a lot of uh, census records that you can see. You can see what race was declared on the census records. And then it was a lot of back and forth with people who know a lot more about Cherokee genealogy specifically, because, mm-hmm. of course, being in Canada, we don't always have that context of, of understanding, you know, what would prove membership as this group. So, um, so I really relied on the genealogists when it came to to that aspect. Uh, but there's still things that you can see, like, um, you know, of course, sometimes there's photos, sometimes there's the uh, the census records, then you can check in other family members. Uh, I did attempt to reach out to Danielle Smith's mom, I did reach out to her several times as well for comment, uh, because I still am curious about where this story came from. Um, you know, is this something that they just all heard growing up and nobody questioned or or why is it so detailed Uh, especially as you can tell in the piece she talks about Mary Crow her great-great-grandmother being forcibly removed from the Trail of Tears but she was born 20 years after the Trail of Tears occurred so there's a lot lot of questions that I still have about this. Hmm. You reached out to the Premier's office you said did they did they provide any sort of response? I mean, even a canned one? No. Like no response at all? Uh, no, I, I did not get a response. I, I did uh, speak to her chief of staff on um, the phone, and, and he asked me just to send an email, which is pretty common. Sure. And I did not receive any response at all. Huh. So ultimately, like at the end of the day, when you get set to publish this story, um, what did you take away from from the exercise with regards to the significance of this and how you think it might impact political discourse in Alberta and maybe across the country? You know, I don't think as a reporter that you can always spend time thinking about what the political impact is of something because it wasn't a like it's not a political article in my mind it could have just as easily it it did happen to be claims of indigenous identity but it could have just as easily been a claim that you're looking into where somebody says they've attended a college this just tends to be this just happens to be the like racially charged conversation going on right now um and, and I, I don't know, like, I'm not sure that it's up to me to determine what the political impact is going to be. That's up to the people mm-hmm. who live in Alberta, if they care about what this story means. For for me, I will say the part that that I paid the most attention to me, what makes this a story? Because people are emailing me, of course, saying, like, who cares? This happened 10 years ago. It didn't. She, she has repeatedly talked about being... Um, she's used terms like Indigenous ancestry, mixed ancestry, Cherokee. Um, and she used this during the 2012 uh, Lake of Fire incidents where um, an MLA of hers had posted a blog post about how LGBTQ people would burn in, in a lake of fire. You know, very, very famous. Uh, but for those who are outside of Alberta, they might not be as familiar with that. Sure, yeah. And so... To me, it, it, then she brought up that she was very sensitive to um, allegations of racism or bigotry because of her mixed ancestry. And and if you're going to make those sort of statements, then you had better be accurate. You know, it's quite a thing to use your heritage as a shield against criticism. Hmm. Let me be devil's advocate for a second. Sure. Because I believe what my grandparents told me about their grandparents Right. Like I, I, I cite the story, Johnny, you and I were talking about our family's histories. And I talked about how the Jespersons came from a part of Denmark that had become a part of Germany and had come through South Dakota into Alberta. And and Danny, mm-hmm. I tell this story to people all the time in the history of the Jesperson dairy farm and how they wound up in Stony Plain and what. But, you know, we tell these stories, right? Should I take some notes? 
<laughs> yeah, maybe. But uh, well, you can take it to the Jesperson Family Cemetery in Stony Plain has all, has it all there on the headstones, I guess, in a way. Uh, but to be serious, like I've never fact checked my family's history. Really, uh, I would love to. My brother did. My brother went over to Denmark and, and sort of walked those pathways and walked that territory. I wonder if it's possible. Um, just for purposes of conversation here, uh, to give the premier the benefit of the doubt that, that maybe she just never did a deep dive on her own genealogy. Maybe, maybe she's been telling this story and maybe reading your reporting, maybe she's having a moment herself. You think it might be possible? Oh, completely. I mean, I, I don't say that it was a malicious commentary that, that she was uh, using the story um, knowing that it was false. I, I don't know that. I wasn't able to speak to her. Uh, and, and I would love to because you're right. Like I've said, there are very it's very common for people who are in uh, Tennessee, Oklahoma and Kansas to claim some kind of tie to indigenous ancestry. And yet um, nothing that you've told me is raising the same red flags because, mm. we, of course, we, we, we may very well be wrong about elements of our past. And, and I've had to dig into my own as well, being being Métis and, and not always being 100 percent correct on things and, and having to refine that over time. But isn't there also a responsibility, especially if you're going to claim Indigenous ancestry and especially if you're going to claim it? as a shield against why you can't be racist or bigoted towards another group of people. That that puts this into a different category for me than, you know, our family lore or, or hearing, like if I heard some man at the bar say he was Cherokee, I'm not gonna go dig into his family ancestry. We, we have sure. to be careful how we use these tools as well. And 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 there is a big conversation about the, the ethics of, of this and how, you know, who, is worth exposing and, and who is, you know, just mis genuinely mistaken and, and you leave it be, but we're talking about the most powerful person in Alberta here. We're talking mm. about the premier. We're not talking about like the know, guy your, at the bar, brother, like you said, the guy at the bar. Yeah. Like Lou says in our live chat right now, you know, being conceived in a Jeep doesn't make you Cherokee. I appreciate that, that Lou's contributing to the conversation in that way. Hey, last time we spoke with you, um, you were covering the, the papal visit, the apology. Mm -hmm. um, you, you checked in with us. It was a very memorable live hit, as we call it, from Commonwealth Stadium ahead, ahead yeah. of the ahead of the Pope leading prayers on the heels of his apology. Uh, in in Masquachis, you've been doing uh, amazing journalism over the past number of months, and, and we always love to support that good work. Is is there anything else that you're working on right now that you'd like to tell us about while we have you here? What what, what else is catching uh, your attention, or, or what are you working on with regards to storytelling as we speak? I, I mean, I publish several things a week, so I don't think I have a, a big, big one that I'm quite ready to talk about. Yeah, I'll, I'll give a slight teaser. I'm, I'm looking at something more long form uh, about the Alberta justice system and how it's interacted with Indigenous women. Um, but I don't have a timeline for when that's okay. going to be out. Put it on our radar, will you, when it's ready mm -hmm. for release? And we'd love to have you back, Danny. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Ryan. You bet. Danny Parody, uh, obviously a skilled journalist uh, working right now at uh, APTN News um, and uh, doing great work. This is that mm -hmm. like the long form stuff, the deep dive stuff. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's the journalism that uh, I'm uh, excited is a strange word to use. But uh, but I'm I'm uh, really uh, insist that people support that type of journalism. I, I feel strongly mm. about it. Genealogy is tricky. It is. Like and, my last name, Hicks, very white, Anglo-Saxon, rooted in Irish, Scottish, yeah. Celtic. 
but I, I researched it a little. I don't want to. I'm about to go to actually a uh, family reunion this summer in Paducah, Kentucky, which is where wow. most of my family is. So I'm like, okay, I'm the whitest guy you know, right? But I have looked back a little, and there's been Cherokee Chiefs with the last name Hicks in Georgia and different places. Really? So like, it's very tricky. So I, I, I don't like that you gave her the benefit of the doubt, but maybe it's just no. she didn't do the work she was supposed to. She like maybe heard a story and just rolled with it her whole life and never actually, you know, did, uh, what, what's the, uh, what's the, uh, what is it? The genius ancestry.com ancestry. or the whatever. What's that thing? With you can do the DNA test. Send, do the DNA test. My wife did it. And just did she? Yeah. Did she discover anything that she had no idea about? Or? Well, my wife's half Indian. Her father was Indian. He's, he's sick. And, and then his, her mother is from Newfoundland. Oh, so yeah. a very strange mix. So she wanted to know how much of each she was. And, and, you know, she's found cousins and stuff from that. So wow. it's great. But, I mean, it's pretty easy to go to something like that if you really, really want to know. So I think yeah. maybe Danielle just didn't do the work, you know. Well, and I'm and I'm not necessarily saying that I'm giving Premier the benefit of the doubt. I'm just saying I think that it's a valid question. Like, is it possible that she's just taking her family, as Danny described it, her family lore uh, or her family traditions or, or the stories that have been passed down at their word and didn't do the deep dive? But Danny's absolutely correct, and we teed up. I think it was teed up quite nicely for her to point out that that it's more relevant when it's a political leader or a business leader for that matter. We've seen stories like this out of the United States at universities and in Canada for that matter. Uh, people claiming indigenous ancestry, people claiming to be black when they're not. But you should, um, you and should obviously know 100%. The magnitude of those are enormous when your positions of power. And, and like Danny just said, um, if it is invoked, if your ancestry or your heritage or, or your, your identity uh, is invoked in response to controversy or scandal as mm -hmm. a way to insulate you or distance you from that scandal or from that controversy you better be sure then it's relevant yeah. you know <laughs> um so so i guess the point of me saying that right after i spoke to danny there is to support her journalism the long form stuff it's it's great to see outlets like aptn um and real talk quite frankly supporting that kind of stuff because we're in a day and age right now where journalists are expect to file daily mm -hmm. like story now followed by video now, followed by social media now, and, and sometimes stories like this. And, and you'll see, I mean, if you go check it out online, if you check out Danny's reporting, uh, I mean, she's she's put in a ton of work. We spoke to this person. We spoke to that person. We checked here. We checked there. We checked in with this. We ran that, you know. So this is stuff that takes time, uh, and it's great that she did it. And uh, you can, of course, read it uh, yourself at aptnnews.ca. That interview was presented by Apex Automation. They're putting out the call to professional engineers across Canada and beyond that are looking for something different, that are looking to feel inspired, that are looking to feel valued, that are looking to get their time back and give others back their time through engineering, fabrication, and automation. I know we're speaking directly to someone. A PNG that brings a lot to the table every day, but their company's not returning the favor. ApexAutomation.ca is where you can check out the careers link. You can learn what they do in engineering, fabrication, automation across a number of different sectors across the country. Opportunity abounds if you're an engineer at Apex Automation. 
We also wanted to give a big shout out to our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. John, I go to dqcakes.com. I find the locations drop-down menu, and that's where I would enter Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, or Baseline Road. And why? Because it's never too early to start thinking about your holiday cake. Yeah, that's right. They've got Christmas cakes. You could do a Hanukkah cake. You could do a Kwanzaa cake, a Festivus cake, a birthday anniversary cake, or just because it's Thursday cake. And don't forget about that blizzard of the month. The new caramel macchiato. People do Made blizzards with coffee crisp all year round. Oh, pal! <laughs> There's like kind of like a blizzard per week type tradition with a few folks I know, and they visit the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. And we also wanted to remind you that if you're looking to upgrade your ride, maybe you went around that one corner and slippy slidey, or you had that moment on the highway that had you white knuckling it as you were trying to pass that big rig, snowstorms and ice. You've had enough of the car that's served you well but it's time to make a move why not check out sherwood and st albert dodge Uh, they're our partners and we're very proud to partner with them in part because they keep providing satisfied customers through the sales process and then the service and parts relationship you can find them online get approved right now you can even connect with a member of their sales team from the comfort of your own home or go see them at their beautiful dealerships including the new one out in st albert You can find them under the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. As mentioned, tomorrow's Real Talk Roundtable presented by Urban Timber is going to be a good one. We're talking about men's health ahead of International Men's Day. We've got a roster of three confirmed, so I don't want to recognize just one of them. But I'm going to, because we're really excited that Tom Jackson has agreed to join us. You know him from North of 60 and countless other projects across the country, on screen, on stage. He's a legend. It's why today he's winning. He's not winning. He's being bestowed with the Order of Canada. He'll talk to us about it tomorrow. We'll see you then. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.